Hello, my name is Omar Abosh, and I'm the Corporate Vice President of Industry Solutions at Microsoft. And I am Will I Am, entrepreneur, philanthropist, musician, and producer, and my mother's son, and this is Changemakers. There are a lot of people around the world driving change that impacts society. In this series, we'll share stories of transformation directly from the leaders themselves who made the change. We'll talk about their obstacles, their triumphs, their learnings, and how technology has accelerated their mission. Two years ago, the pandemic shook the world and exposed massive gaps in healthcare infrastructure all around the world. As COVID-19 overwhelmed hospitals, the lack of real-time data only made it much harder for doctors to diagnose and treat patients. Truveta officially launched in September 2020 at the height of the pandemic with the mission to drive innovation in patient care. By aggregating clinical data like lab results and physician notes from many healthcare systems, the platform enables researchers to analyze data on how drugs are being used and to find cures faster. CEO Terry Meissen joins us today to discuss what they learned from their first full year of business and how technology is empowering health systems to save lives with data. Terry, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, Terry, you became the CEO of Trevetta in, I think, March 2020, right as the pandemic began. And I think we all like saw scenes of shock from around the world where health systems were genuinely facing this onslaught of, and not knowing exactly how to handle it. And take us back to that time and how it inspired your mission. Sure. I mean, I think that Trevetta is a new company with a vision of saving lives with data. Our mission is to help scientists find cures faster, help every clinician be an expert wherever they are in the world, and help families make more informed decisions about their care. The word Truvetta, it's the union of two things, true for truth, and Veta is knowledge in Swedish. And one of the biggest healthcare systems in Seattle is Swedish hospital. And so... <laughs> That's great. We think about, we're bringing together truth, which is, you know, the, whether all the data that we think of that, the data recordings is truth, and we're trying to create knowledge that we all can learn from. That's great. So, you know, one of the more vivid memories I have of that time, reflecting one of the inspirations for Truvetta was, I recall these debates taking place on television where President Trump would be citing these clinical studies saying, we have a cure. We have a cure. Hydroxychloroquine works. And then the leader of the World Health Organization would be going on television and, or to a press conference and saying, it doesn't work. And there was just this confusion in terms of who do you trust? Which data is right? How can these clinical studies cited by the president of the United States be incorrect? And, and then what data is the World Health Organization using? Where is the data to make this happen? And so for me, when an old colleague of mine from Microsoft had become the chief information officer of Providence Healthcare, offered me the chance to help. It was like an immediate thought. It was like, I'm at home. My kids are at home. I'm scared for the people I care about. I'm confused. I'd love to get in anything I can do to help. And then when I got inside, it just opened my eyes to so many things about healthcare. You know, I was confused as a consumer, but there inside the health systems, they didn't know either. They didn't know whether this drug worked and just grew from there. You're being very human in describing a reaction that I think many, many people felt, but you actually took steps personally and changed your life around this. And so 
What personal experiences did you have that helped drive you here to say, like, I'm going to do this? There was two real defining moments, I think, in the creation of Truvetta. For me, it was one of the pharmaceutical companies, which makes one of the infamous drugs that was being debated, approached the health systems and said, thank you for buying our drugs. But we don't know if it works either. Wow. We learn from clinical trials. You know, the way we learn about the safety and efficacy of our drug is by running these regulated clinical trials, which take multiple years. And this is now a real-time situation. That was eye-opening to me. And then I guess the, there was a defining meeting, I recall, when we were talking about all of these public health data feeds that we were making for COVID. And it was like, well, what about every other disease? I mean, my father died of colon cancer. My wife's best friend has breast cancer. I have an old work colleague who's diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Where's the data on that to help us care for all those patients? And, you know, Rod Hockman, CEO of Providence, an amazing man, shared with me that, well, that data set doesn't exist. We don't have data on COVID. We don't have data on anything else. And wow, the leaders of the American healthcare system have been talking about this for years. We've been talking about the need to build this data set that could inform how we take care of patients. And so really it was starting in that March, April, 2020, but really all through the spring and summer last year, it was daily calls, multiple calls with lawyers and CIOs of health systems around the United States and saying, can we put together a consortium? Because you don't want data from one locale or one health system. We want a data representative of the United States. And yeah. so in September, four health systems, four large national health systems, those CEOs said, we have the moral imperative now to do this. And they stepped up and provided the first financing. And it was I was a little nervous because you know, you're starting a new company. And we had the support of four health systems, which was frankly not enough to achieve the mission or the vision, but since then, 16 other health systems have joined Truveta, and these are the providers of care that provide over 16% of every clinical encounter in the United States every day are now providing their care to Truveta. And so, you know, we now see data on a daily basis. It's representative of the full diversity of the country, geographically, race, ethnicity, gender, age, and it's exciting. It's exciting the impact we think we're going to have. How did you get them to cooperate? How did you get these 16 health systems to come together and join a new company? And how did you work around one of the healthcare systems wanting it to do it and corral the rest of these systems themselves? Well, this was their idea. I mean, this is something they had been talking about. The name Truveta was actually a project that had been talked about within these health systems since 2018, before the pandemic. They knew this was a good idea. They knew they needed data like this to inform how to take care of patients. The pandemic created the moral imperative to get it over the finish line and brought me as a potential leader and somebody that really also wanted to make it happen and really wanted to achieve this mission. And very core to Truveta was this idea. It wasn't about one healthcare system. It was about consortium of healthcare systems. And this wasn't a, let's go raise venture capital and you guys partner with us. This was, let's bring together the healthcare systems of the country that they can own and govern this new company. And I think that was key. Mm. It sounds like there were a whole load of obstacles you had to figure out to 
get to that position, Terry, where the providers were saying, actually, we're really going to do this. And you mentioned lawyers in the calls that you were dealing with beforehand. Help us understand that because obviously personal patient data is about as critical and private as one can get to. How do you think about that? Well, you know, I think about four really big problems. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. You know, the first one you mentioned is privacy. When you talk to your doctor and there's things you share with your doctor, it's very personal. It's a very personal moment. Nobody cares about that more than these health systems. I mean, these are the doctors and nurses that you trust with that information. And our board of directors are those health systems. They are those doctors. And so that de-identification such that we can bring together data on our population so that we can learn about what's going on and learn about people like you such that we can take better care of you, that de-identification or privacy really is probably the most critical and problem number one for TrueBeta. The second thing is fragmentation. The data really is everywhere. You visit multiple healthcare systems and your doctors record information about you within their own systems. Mm -hmm. And we need to bring together that longitudinal view of you as a patient by defragmenting the data, bringing together data about you from your provider, from your insurance company. There's actually socioeconomic data, which is very relevant to your care. And, you know, only one third of people die inside the health systems. You need to bring in mortality data. And so linking all this data together, that fragmentation was a big challenge. And pretty excited about a partnership with LexisNexis, which is bringing together a lot of you know, the leaders in the financial sector, but they provide all this data. You bring it in now into the healthcare domain. Is that the reason why, like, if a person goes to their ENT doctor, the ears, nose, and throat doctor, and then something happens a couple of months later, they go to their general doctor, the general doctor doesn't know the information that the ENT has. It's like all over the place. In the United States, Each of your providers keep track of your medical history with that provider. Your insurance company sees you across all providers. So we got to solve this fragmentation problem such that we can really study what's, you know, because what's going on in the past, you know, lead to, you know, how how effective a treatment or safe a treatment is for you right now. You know, the third problem we have is the data is unstructured. Yeah. The, I mean, this is not a relational database. This is doctor's notes. This is images. We need to use the, you know, leading edge machine learning and artificial intelligence to extract out of these notes concepts. And I think the final thing I think a lot about is trust. When, you know, when President Trump was off debating with the leaders of the World Health Organization about medical truth, and neither one of them was sharing the data they were basing that decision upon. I think I see that now with the CDC. I see that in the U.S. where CDC citing studies. We have no idea what data they're using. And, you know, you see the, you know, societal outcomes of not trusting the data or not even seeing the data. You're still early in the journey. You're assembling this giant, massively complex, unstructured data set and trying to make sense of it. So how are you bringing the providers along with you? Have you shown them any wins or have you found any insights from the data sets you've collated so far or or even have you had any wins in being able to 
put the data together in a useful way. It would just be great to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty exciting for us. We built an internal research team. and How big is that team? Three people. <laughs> so I want to put this in context. You know, I think we are now, we're now four people. But at the time, <laughs> so last fall, we decided to take a look at COVID first as the first place we dig in just because. And, you know, after about three weeks of work, that team published a study that showed how comorbidities impacted breakthrough infections. And, you know, we were very excited about the work. It was the first time putting the platform, you know, through its paces. And what's exciting, but very interesting, I'm actually not sure what adjective to use. You know, I think it was in January, so we're talking three months later, the CDC published a study that had the almost identical results. Now, months later, I assume more than three people worked on it. But I think what's exciting to me is that with the Truvetta study, it's completely transparent and reproducible. So anyone in the Truvetta community can rerun that study. They can build on it. They can take it apart. And so that excites me because, you know, trust, you mentioned trust is a new currency, Will, but it's got to get built over time. And I just think transparency and reproducibility of these studies and the ability to like poke and prod and change the study a little bit and see how it, that's how I think we can really build trust and accelerate medical mm -hmm. knowledge. So that was our first, and there'll be more. I mean, our, we're going to try and get things out on a regular basis and we're growing the team. But, you know, really our goal is to be a platform that empowers others to do this research. So we will always, we will have a small team at Trivetta, but our goal is to partner with researchers around the world to ask and answer their own questions. How big is Trivetta now? About 150 people. That's great. So that's a huge difference from when you were over at Windows. How big was your team there? You know, I don't actually remember. <laughs> <laughs> he lost count. I remember at one point it was 12,000 people, but I think, I think it actually got a little bit larger than that towards the end. I, <laughs> I don't awesome. remember. It was a big team. But working with a small team allows you to move a lot faster. And do you enjoy smaller teams or bigger teams solving problems like this? You know, the way I, I think about it is we have our immediate, you know, there's that expression, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I think about the whole extended team working on Trivetta. So yeah, we got 150 people at Trivetta and we're hiring and we'll be growing. But really, I think about, you know, there's 20 health systems that are, are working with us. LexisNexis is working with us. Microsoft's working with us. And so I'm always thinking about the whole extended team of people that are engaged in trying to pursue this vision of saving lives with data. And that's much bigger than 150 people. And, you know, I don't know how many people at all of these health systems are really contributing to the success of Trivetta or the momentum of Trivetta, but it's not, it's not a small number. So Terry and his friends are building a giant data set. Mm -hmm. And they've got brilliant people then using AI to build algorithms to understand, like, what is the data set telling us? And if I understand it correctly, Terry, you want to provide that data set and the tools, the algorithms, so that folks like the CDC and the government that you're talking about, Will, could use those tools to do their own research. It's not an open source data set. So, you know, I think there will be knowledge, which, you know, we do contribute openly and there will be data we contribute openly. But right now, Trivet is a community of people that have committed to like protect the patient privacy. They've committed very much the ethics of Trivetta. So for example, the usage of this data is all about patient care. It's not about sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want this data and providers don't want this data to be used such that 
you know, when you come out of a knee surgery, there's three people waiting at home for you with knee braces to sell to you. This is about <laughs> improving the patient care. So yeah. there's these certain commitments that we expect, we require of anyone getting access with regard to alignment with the mission and really commitments not to, you know, use the brilliance of AI to re-identify the patients because protecting that privacy is so critical. And so it's a community which we welcome researchers to be part of, but the privacy and the ethics requirements do cause us to have a gate there. Yeah. Let's talk about the data and who wants to get their hands on it. Because the information, as you hinted with the knee brace example, Terry, is like super valuable. So actually, you talked about the gating and like not everyone can come and play with the data. So actually, how do you really get into that? And how do you genuinely protect patient identity? That is a rich, statistical, very intense process that we have third parties auditing us regularly on. But, you know, it, the first thing it involves is, you know, stripping out all your strict identifiers. So everything related to your name, your social security number, your birthday, your address, your phone number, all that's dropped, just completely dropped from the record. But then the harder challenge is one of other attributes which might identify you. You know, if you have a rare disease and there may only be one of you in a zip code, so we need to take that into account. We're looking at signals, any statistical signal that could cause you to be re-identified. And we will potentially remove your whole record. We potentially will just redact those signals. I mean, we literally go through each and every data point to remove the uniqueness of you such that you can't be re-identified. And then we have third parties come in and audit that process and say, we can't re-identify anybody in this data set. And so that's a very intense process that we're going to keep working on. And then, you know, of course, we contractually say to anyone who's accessing this data, you're not going to try to re-identify this data. I think that's critical too, because everyone using this data, you know, contractually is saying, I'm using this to save lives with data, I'm using this to improve patient care. And we want the data to stay de-identified. I have one question that's kind of a, a touchy one for myself and my family, because we see that some illnesses are impacting communities of color. And how does Trivetta's data address health equity? Well, I think what it's going to do is bring transparency to health inequities. I think the, mm -mm. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. It's actually, with the data that came from LexisNexis into Trivetta, you know, it's not, we, we had race previously, but now we get all these other socioeconomic factors, access to transportation, household income, veteran status, so many other attributes about, you know, society and the people that are getting care. And we're going to bring transparency to that. And we're going to let care be benchmarked across systems, across geography. That makes tons of sense. And you talked about the unstructured data. And I was thinking, okay, I'm super impressed by what I've seen from Nuance Technologies' ability to use AI to understand physician conversations with patients. Yeah, Nuance? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you also talked about physicians' handwritten notes. And if I remember correctly, doctors, my dad's a doctor, was a practicing surgeon, their writing is horrible. <laughs> so, so can you talk to us about the AI? Yeah, how does a machine vision be able to detect sloppy handwriting? We are not 
doing anything with handwritten notes, but we are dealing with typed notes. So the, the transcription from handwriting to the, the typing, we let someone else do. But the, the natural language processing is a challenge. It's, very, it's very interesting because when you visit your doctor, you're not, you, don't, you talk about things in the present, you talk about things in the past, you talk about things in your family, mm-hmm. you talk about body parts, you talk about levels of intensity, you talk in the positive and the negative, meaning like, I have pain. I no longer have pain. I'm taking this medication. I'm not taking this medication. And so... Using similes and metaphors, it's kind of like, I feel like pins and needles, or you're using like examples. Yeah, so it's it's a very interesting natural language processing challenge. You know, we're very fortunate that natural language processing has, as a core language, AI has advanced quite a bit. We're actually really lucky that the medical research community has been working for years to create ontologies to represent things like the body and symptoms and diseases. The fact that there is a ontology for all human diseases that's been built up over decades. Mm-hmm. And then what we need to do is then take the natural language processing and correlate, oh, they're talking about this disease well, can I ask a question as far as the uh, your NLP? If a patient says, this is killing me, how does your NLP extract if this is killing me and rate it to level of pain <laughs> versus I'm going to die from this? Because when you say things, it's different than the actual I'm going to, I'm being killed. You are absolutely right, Will. And this is our challenge. This is our challenge and our opportunity to be able to make this information analyzable in aggregate. Mm-hmm. You know, today when you go to the doctor, they literally read these notes. They scroll through your record and read a human reads what a human typed. But our challenge is to aggregate that, de-identify that, structure it, aggregate it, and make it easy to analyze. And we're early in our journey. I mean, this is going to take years to really get right, and it's really going to stress the frontiers of natural language processing for sure. Yeah. Well, part of what I understood Terry, you and Trevetta doing to help get us from illness to wellness is about the use of real-time data. So is that right? Like one of the powers of Truvetta is that the data is updated in near real-time? It's updated at least daily. <laughs> okay. I don't want to, you know, we don't have, like I said, we're early in our journey and, you know, we're focused on daily. I think right now, just being pragmatic and transparent, you know, some of this is living through a pandemic. I think if we weren't living through a pandemic, then we might have said, we might have, as, as us and our health system partners might have reasoned, Gosh, how how often do we need to refresh multiple sclerosis data? How how often do we need to refresh Parkinson's disease data? We might have said monthly. We might have even said annually. I mean, you just say, but because of the pandemic, it's just really opened our eyes. The world changes daily. And interactions with new drugs change daily. Society's changing daily. If you're going to track the safety and efficacy of value of any drug or device, you really want to understand how it's changing on a daily basis. And if you're looking for clinical trial patients where somebody has a very unique situation, 
you want to know if that patient's available has shown up on the radar anywhere in the US and give them the opportunity to participate in a clinical trial. And so seeing the data on a daily basis has really opened you know, our eyes to opportunities to have an impact. I think real time will be critical when we want to impact patient care. You know, right now, the data is being used to study populations of patients, is being able to understand what's going on amongst all of us. Yeah, that's powerful. If we ever want to impact how you are treated, then we're going to have to like be right there with them in the treatment room. And Trivetta is not there today. When you think about the next 10, 20 years, how is Trivetta going to help with new things like preventive medicine, personalized care pathways? Like, in your most aspirational case, what, what do you think we can achieve? Saving lives with data is, is a vision statement that's been very impactful. You know, Lisa Gurry and Jane Andury, you know, two of my colleagues came up with that and it's resonated strongly since then. But below that, we talk about, you know, our mission is to, you know, help scientists find cures faster, make every clinician an expert wherever they are in the world. You know, you don't have to travel to an elite institution. Any doctor anywhere in the world should have the best knowledge to take care of any patient. And we want to help families make more informed decisions about their care, again, anywhere in the world. And we're just scratching the surface of that, Omar. I mean, we are just getting started with, you know, helping our health systems understand what's going on in the populations of their patients helping some life science firms understand the safety and efficacy of their drugs within the U.S. population. And, you know, if you go out several years, that full vision of finding cures faster, making every clinician an expert, and helping families make more informed decisions about their care, I mean, that's what we're working towards. Thank you so much, Terry. It's been really awesome to hear about your and Trevetta's journey. I'm honored to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Terry. Thank you for your leadership. And it's an honor to meet you. Like, truly honored to talk to you and ping pong on your new venture. And it's, it's been great. So, Will, what did you think of Trivetta's mission? Trivetta's mission is, um, if they could pull it off, it's a big vision. And what they've already have accomplished is pretty big. But if you think of how isolated everyone's medical information is, not to, and it's not isolated and scattered all over the place for the benefit of people. It's not like, no, we, we, it's constructed this way so that people are safe. That's not the reason why it's all over the place. It's all over the place just because it hasn't really been brought up to speed to how technological, how advanced machine learning, machine vision, artificial intelligence, natural language processing, natural language understanding is. It's kind of, you know, old school in a way. Yeah. A lot of paper. A lot of paper, a lot of different agendas as far as insurance, pharmaceutical. It's really all over the place. So to make sense of it for this era, for this, you know, the new age that we are in now, it's a pretty big task. And so if they could pull it off, we as a society benefit from that. We going from, you know, the individual isolation, illness, to wellness. Malcolm X, thank you for that one. But, yeah, 
It's a powerful one. That's why I started asking questions like, what about daily data, daily activity data? And what about data as far as like, you know, the environment you live in? Because people could be sick just because of the lead in the grass, the lead, the asbestos in the building. And if you don't have that data, and how are they going to aggregate that data? Can they use Esri GIS data and plug it into, you know, what they're doing so they don't have to go out and build that themselves? You know? I'm guessing that as the data set comes together and the insights come out, it's going to show the inequalities that you already know about, like, a very start. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, going to, they're going to show up very clearly. I mean, if you'd asked me two years ago, like, what's the obstacle for something like this? I'd be like, hospitals don't share data. That was, like, the thing. And so actually, I'm amazed that they've pulled this off with all these provider networks coming together themselves to create this capability in Trivetta and being the owners of it. And so you like the way they've handled the ethics around the data here? Or any, any questions in your mind buzzing around that? I don't know the answer to that one, the question you asked. Because I, as, as optimistic as I want to be, I'm still skeptical, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, no, it is. It's an area fraught with difficulties and challenges. But I think that the strong focus on privacy and de-identifying the patient data is definitely like critical. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, you know, we're doing change makers to find people who are using tech and using modern innovation to improve the world. This is a good one, hey? This is powerful. And to see the folks that are out there putting a face to the change as they're making it and they're showing you what it is they want to do and that change maker you know, you're seeing the change happen. It's not changed maker. There's no D on it because the change hadn't happened yet. Let's leave it there. It's great to chat again, Will. I'll see you next time. Yeah, yeah.